and to guide our thoughts and our hearts. And that's what's called worship. Is when everything else is set aside, and as the song that Josie wrote says, the only thing we're focused on, the only thing that matters is Jesus. No other, no other motive, no other desire, strictly focused on Him and only Him. So in this moment, and, and you can see if you, if you understood the, the, the passion that comes from, from writing this and the place where Josie was where she wrote this, from, you, you would understand uh, her difficulty this morning. But most of all, you would understand her, her praise and you would understand her worship and, and you would see just how big God is in moments like these. And so sometimes it doesn't have to be big and booming and powerful, but sometimes it just has to be from the heart. So this morning we, we ask you to, to cast your hearts to Jesus. Let Him fill it. Let Him love you and let Him work in you like only He can. Lift your hands. Raise your head. But let your heart reach out to Him this morning. seated. Good job, Josie, and Kids Club, you're dismissed, and uh, let them go ahead and get back and wear those guys out for a little bit. Good place to be this morning, yes? Yep. Um, Josie reached out earlier in the week, and she said, uh, what do you think about an all acapella set? And I'm like, go for it. That's what you're feeling, and uh, she did good this morning, and we appreciate her, and all the time and work she puts in. So uh, happy to have Miranda visiting with us this morning. Glad she's here. And um, so uh, happy that we all survived the party last night. Amen. And um, I'm back out this morning. So uh, I know I was feeling it when I finally got in bed and, and uh, the alarm just went off way too quick this morning. But excited nonetheless, excited to be here in, in God's house and excited to be here among his people. To look to Him this time of year is, is truly something that I would say minimizes what we're called to do, right? And, and you've heard a million Christmas messages. You've heard uh, a million messages that kind of drive us into the season. And I've never really been one to, 
to overwhelm myself with the need to, to preach a Christmas message. But I do think a lot of the thoughts from this time of year and a lot of the things from Scripture really do matter. And they really point us to a place to where we're called to understand how important the life of Christ is and why it matters to us individually as well as a church. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Christmas parties. We had a lot of fun last night. Uh, I, I did my typical photobombing best. And, and we all laughed and we ate sour grapes and, and, um, uh, or Grinch grapes, as, as they're called, uh, which are sour grapes that are frozen, and, and everything else. And I was amazed, other than Sarah, to find out how many of you really liked them right? And that was funny. I was getting ready to take Sarah's picture, and I didn't realize she was eating a grape. And about the time I took her picture, she put one of those sour grapes in her mouth, and uh, it had quite the, uh, the, the fun result. And, uh, and we're thankful uh, for, for fun and, and, and frivolities like that, that we have that opportunity and privilege. But at the same time, there, we never fail to have to find where God is in this season. And if we were to say that every Christmas is the same, I think we would be wrong. If we were to say that the gifts under our tree are the same every year, we would be wrong. If we were to say that our feeling and our emotions are the same every year at this time, we'd be wrong. And so I think it's important for us every year to look and understand what it is that Jesus is doing and what Jesus is speaking and saying. We were having a conversation a few weeks ago, I forget what we were doing, but I, know, I remember Medora was there, and um, a couple of us were, were there, and we were talking, and I said, you know, I am amazed that I can go and I can preach a message on Sunday, and then I can go and I can flip through YouTube, and I've got tons of preacher friends and everything else out there, and you know, everyone's doing live recordings and things now. I can go out there, and through that, I can see the sermons that my friends are preaching, and it might not be the same text, it might not be the same, uh, the same general thought line, but the point of the message across many of us are largely the same. It may be delivered differently, it might have different focuses and, and this and that and the other, but at the end of the day, the points of the message and the take-home, what I like to call the take-home points, amen, are the same. And I thought, you know what, isn't that just how God should be? right? His voice is absolute, and his voice is constant. His voice doesn't alter from person to person. And yes, I understand there are different needs in different congregations, and he has to minister to the different needs in different congregations accordingly. But I believe that God's message is pure. And I believe that God's message is the same. And so I believe that it really shouldn't surprise us if he gives me a message and he gives a brother a hundred miles away a very similar message. Why? Because he's trying to communicate the same thing to all of us. Why? Because his will is constant, his purpose is constant, and he's not going to be a different God for this group and a different God for that group. That's not how it works. Amen. And there's a whole lot of garbage being preached out there today because we're trying to hone in a thought and we're trying to hone in a message to fit a people. Amen. I don't want to fit nobody, friend. I want to exclaim the glories and the principles of heaven. I want God to be the center and the epicenter of who we are and what we're doing and where we're going. And when we miss it because we're too caught up in ourselves or something else, then we're missing what God is doing. Amen? And I would rather be one of many doing the same thing for the same God than to be one out in left field just wandering around. Amen? And, and, I, and I believe we're there. I believe we're in a culture, we're in a time period, we're in a, we're in a position and a situation in life where if we're not careful, it would be very easy to be pulled away from God in church. You with me? And and so I think it's important that this year, more than any other year, I I think we're at a, a place where it's so important for us to really look at God, look at the gift He gave in Jesus Christ, and seek it. You know, you've heard the catchphrase, wise men still seek Him. 
You've heard the catchphrase for years, he's the reason for the season. And I believe in all of those things. Those are good. I'm not, I'm not chopping any of those down here this morning. But what I want us to understand is I want us to understand what led to him sending his son to be a sacrifice. Right? That's where we are. That's what Christmas is about. You know, we, we talk about the virgin birth, and we better believe it. Right? We're going to talk about faith here in a second. We better believe in the virgin birth. We better believe in the story in Luke chapter 2. But before the story in Luke chapter 2, we need to believe the story in Luke chapter 1. Amen? We need to believe the story that when God looks at man and says, i got to do something, I've got to do something bold, and I've got to do something that's full of glory. Amen? Because man can't equal, and man can't live up to what I have set So I'm going to provide the sacrifice, and I'm going to do the work, and I'm going to put the effort in, and in doing that, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my son. I'm not going to send my son to set up an earthly kingdom. I'm not going to send my son to to set something up that would just be defiled again and again and again. And and if you pay real close attention around, I don't care which, which side of the thought process you're on, amen, everybody is trying to defile who God is and what God is and trying to tear down the, the, the structure that he set in the very beginning. Amen? And, and on every hand, it's all around us. Amen. And we are in that time and we are in that place where the structure of God is getting attacked again and again and again and again. And he's looking for the remnant who will stand and who will hold true to what God gave us from the beginning and what God wants to work in our lives and what God wants to do in our lives if we would just walk with him. But in order for us to walk with him, we have to, we have to understand why. Right? And I think, that's, I think that's where a lot of churches fail a lot of times, right? We, we bring people in, we preach Jesus Christ crucified, and, and people are, are drawn to that message, amen? Why? It's, it's why Paul told us to preach that message, amen? It's why God inspired Paul to preach that message to us, was to preach Christ crucified. Why? Because nothing else really matters. We can disciple all day long, but if we don't have Christ up on the cross, and if Jesus isn't the, the core truth to behind, behind everything that we minister and everything that we do, we will never really truly meet up what, he, what he's giving and what he wants us to have. And so we, we come to this place, and I want to start with, with Zechariah this morning. Zechariah, the, the father of John the Baptist. The father of John the Baptist. And if you remember the story, when, when the angel Gabriel appeared to them and said that they were going to have a child, and the mom, you know, his wife was an older age, and he was an older age, and, and he kind of scoffed. How's that even possible? You know, we're too old for this to happen. And, and because of his scoffing, because of his lack of faith, he, he, he was made, his tongue was, became tied, and he couldn't talk. Amen? And later on it says that his tongue was loosed. And that's what I want us to think about, is when our tongue is loosed. I want us to think about when we come to a place to where we are set free in who God is, and God begins to move, and God begins to work in our life, and by working in our life, He begins to do work in the lives of the people around us. Amen? Because, honey, I'm here to tell you that if you are alive in Jesus Christ, amen, I'm not talking about just showing up on Sunday. But I'm talking about if you get on your knees, if you fast, and if you pray, and if you allow God's Word to speak to you through the week, amen, and He is alive in you, and He is working in you, and He is doing things beyond the realm of this life in you, then you are alive in Him, and things are going to happen. Things are going to happen in you and around you that aren't explainable. Amen? I, I, I saw someone post this week, amen, that if we're not living this life in the spiritual, if we're not living this life in the spiritual, then, then we really don't understand what it is we're doing. We really don't understand where it is we're going. We really don't understand what it is God wants to do, amen? And so the way that begins, the way that begins is in Jesus, because everything about Jesus' life was spiritual, That's why it's so important that the virgin birth matter to us and that we accept it by faith and know that Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit's work upon Mary's life and upon Mary's body. Amen? Because if it wasn't, 
than, than what Mary offered in Jesus Christ and what God offers in Jesus Christ is really nothing more than another man. He had to be born of God. He had to be incarnate of the Holy Spirit. Amen? For it to really, truly come to us in the holiness that it needed to come to us. John realized that. John realized that when he was in his mother's womb. And, and Mary walked in carrying the Son of God. He leapt. He leapt. Amen? Listen to me. And, and you know, the, 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 the really smart Bible people will tell you, well, that could have just been the baby moving. No, no, no. I think there's a huge difference between a baby leaping and a baby moving. Amen? When Luke, Luke was one of the most active babies in the world, right? I mean, he was crazy. He drove her crazy. Even after he was born, he'd sit on her lap and do this all the way through, through church and everything else. I mean, the, the kid was always hyper, always moving, always, always crazy. And there were times in moments like this when I'd be preaching, amen, and, and it was almost as if he stood up. And you'd see Sam sitting there, and she'd be like, oh, because, you know, this like baby standing up in, inside of her and, and everything else like that. Uh, and I believe, I believe that he was responding to my voice and how loud I get and, and everything else. That's why I believe Warner won't have anything to do with me because always used to me is me being up here being loud, you know? He, he'll, he'll, he'll run up and, and he'll play with me and kind of laugh, but if the minute I go to pick him up or act like I'm going to pick him up, he's like, like bolts. No way, man. You're going to start yelling and screaming and spitting, and I don't want any part of that and uh, uh, everything else, which is cool. We'll, we'll, we'll work that out. We're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, but what I think it's important for us to understand is why God sent his son, how God sent his son through the virgin birth, and then we have to understand the depths of everything that God went through to prepare the way of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that starts with Zechariah, and that starts with John the Baptist. Zechariah's tongue was tied. He wasn't able to talk through the whole gestation period and, and everything else. And then when the baby was born, God, the, the scripture says, God unloosed his tongue. Amen? What does that mean? Simply this, simply this, it means he was able to talk again. It means he was able to talk again. God had bound his tongue so that he couldn't speak, so that he couldn't put negativity over the life of John the Baptist. Did you hear what I just said? So that he didn't put negativity over the life of John the Baptist. Do you ever see those people? Do you ever run into those people? Man, God just really did a work. And the first thing they want to do is they want to downplay it. First time, the first thing they want to do is they want to start bringing some negativity in it. You want to know what? Those people are intimidated by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Amen? Those people are intimidated by God's desire to do a work in you, through you, and around you. Amen? And so my advice to you is this. Keep talking about Jesus. Amen? Don't shun them. Don't put them off. I mean, I, we, we have churches today that you either believe the way you do or you're, you're not good enough, right? That's garbage. That's not what God preaches. That's, what not, that's not what the Bible is. Amen? So what I encourage you to do is in those situations and then around those people and everything, keep talking about Jesus. Keep talking about his power. Keep talking about his work. Keep talking about the things that he's doing. If you notice, something happened during that gestation period, not just in Elizabeth's belly, Amen. But something happened in Zachariah's heart. Something happened in Zachariah's mind. And the man who was scoffing at the angel Gabriel, nonetheless, right? I, I, I would happen to think if an angel appeared to me and, and was doing some pretty bold, incredible thing, I would hope that I'm not so much of a man that I would just scoff at that and be like, whatever. Amen. I would think if an angel came and appeared to me, I would be like on my knees and my face in the dirt realizing just, just how horrible I am and, and that God would visit me in a situation. I, I would hope, amen, that I'm not that full of myself. Amen. So what I want you to see is something happened in Zechariah from the time Gabriel came and he scoffed. He put man's reasoning, he put man's understanding, he put man's ideology above what God was trying to lay down. God was trying to lay down, hey, I am, I'm starting to pave the road that's going to lead to Golgotha. I'm starting to pave the road that's going to lead to my son redeeming man. Amen? Zachariah's gone. And so God said, fine, I want no more of that. 
and he, and he locked his tongue to where he couldn't speak. He couldn't do anything but write and, and share with people. So something worked in Zechariah through this time. I would, I would imagine, remember Zechariah is not a young man, so I would imagine at some point in the place, Zechariah had to begin questioning himself. Zechariah had to begin doubting himself, had to begin doubting his own ideologies and his own thought processes and his own standing with God somewhere through this process. Because if you look at the man Zechariah at the time that the angel Gabriel appears, and then you look at Zechariah at the time that the baby is born, there's a world of difference between the two guys. That Zechariah, nine months later, this Zechariah, and what he has to say. Amen? So I'm going to share to you, I'm going to share to you what Zechariah had to say and had to do. God looses his tongue. I'm going to start a little before what I gave you, um, Bopper. He wrote down and he said that his name is John because that's what the angel said. And it says that they marveled all, and his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. Amen? What I like about that is God did a work and Zechariah didn't have to explain it. Did you get that? God did a work and Zechariah didn't have to explain it. Listen, children. Sometimes God is going to do things that are just going to speak for themselves. Sometimes God is going to move in your life God is going to move in someone else's life. God is going to move in your family. God is going to move in a church. God is going to move in a community. Sometimes God is going to move in such a way that you don't need to explain him. He doesn't need you to stand up and, and decipher what he's doing. He just needs you to accept it by faith and walk proudly in it, knowing that he's doing a work. Amen? And that's where Zachariah was. Several months before, he wasn't there. Several months before, he doubted the glory of God in his presence. He doubted it. He scoffed at it. And now, here he is in a place where it's all unfolding before man. And he just starts praising Jesus. He just starts praising God in that moment. And he goes on. And it says, And fear came on all that dwelt round about them. That's my justification for what I said a few minutes ago. I saw a couple of you with a shocked face. Amen, when I said that, that some people just aren't ready or maybe they're intimidated by what the Holy Spirit is doing. Amen, some people who need that example for them when God does his marvelous works and God does marvelous things, some people fear, some people doubt, some people point fingers, some people do things because they're just not there yet. Amen, and that's okay. That's okay. It takes all of us different time. It takes all of us different learning and takes all of us a different process to get there so that's why i'm saying just live jesus don't scorn don't doubt don't point fingers but just let god begin to work in people's life and it says and they fear fear came on all that dwelt round about them and all these things were noised abroad throughout the hill country of judea and all they that heard them laid up in their hearts saying what manner of child shall this be and the hand of the Lord was with him. Amen. Sometimes when we don't try to reason God, amen, sometimes we just cheapen what God's really doing. Amen. And so that's why I'm saying don't try to explain God. Just praise him. Just adore him. Just accept his holiness. Just accept his power and point to it. But don't try to explain it. Let it speak for itself. Let his power, let his glory speak for itself. And Here's what Zacharias did. This is the new Zacharias, if you will. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. See, he's prophesying now. Okay? I'm not saying that. Bible's saying that. He is prophesying in that moment, saying, here's what's about to take place. Here is what God has done in this moment, and this is what God is leading up to. Amen? He's not saying it already happened. He's not saying it's happening right now. He's prophesying that this is the work that God is doing in our presence. Amen? And he's saying... That for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation 
for us in the house of his servant David. As he speak by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. What Zacharias is now doing in his prophecy is he's gaining understanding. In the midst of his prophecy, in the midst of this moment that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, Bible said it, is moving upon him, understanding is given to him, and now his eyes are open and he's seeing that this this just isn't a happenstance, this just isn't a coincidence, this just isn't something that happened out of the blue. This is something that the prophets said what happened. This is something that the prophets promised years ago would come to pass. And now, here it is. Amen? And see, nine months before, Zacharias was focused on the man. Zacharias was focused on himself. Zacharias was focused on his shortcomings. Zacharias was focused on his age. That's not possible. I'm too old. Amen? My favorite one of my favorite God moments was uh, years ago. Um, uh, can't even think of her name. The, the short, like blonde, white hair type woman on the show had the big glasses. Had one of the talk show, huh? Sally, yes, yeah, Sally um, Raphael, Jossie Raphael, yeah. Um, she had a little girl, and the little girl had had a vision, and uh, somehow it got on the news, and this and that and the other, and a big deal had been made of it, and everything else. So they brought this little girl to, to Sally's show. And she's telling her story and talking about it and everything else. And after it was all done, Sally began to ask her questions. And, uh, and I'm like never, ever home during the day, right? I go to work and everything else. So I'm never home when these shows are on. But I don't remember if I was sick or what the case was, but I just happened to be home and the TV was on and, and this was happening. And so Sally begins to ask her questions. And I, I kind of picked up where she was going with her line of questioning and, and everything else. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is this isn't really going to be good because I'm thinking she's victimizing this poor little girl and amen, I'm going to ask her all these questions and make her look stupid when it comes about Jesus, right? That's what I'm thinking. That's the man in me thinking, you know, way way to go. Why didn't you pick me or somebody instead of an eight-year-old girl, right? So Sally says, so so you believe in the Bible? And the little girl's like, yes, ma'am, I do. And everything else, I says, so you believe everything in the Bible is true? Yes, ma'am, I do. And she says, so like the story about Jonah and the well, you believe that, right? And she goes, yes, ma'am, I do. And she goes, so you believe that Jonah was in an ocean and this well came along and swallowed him, yes, ma'am, and everything else. And, and you believe that Jonah went into the belly of the well and, and lived there for a few days, right? She goes, yes, ma'am, three days. And she's like, okay. And everything else. And she says, Do you understand how the digestive process works? And everything else. Eight year old girl, right? And do you understand how, how the digestive process works and everything else? It would be impossible for that to happen. Maybe, maybe it's in the Bible just as like a, uh, a teaching story and, and not something that really happened. Do you, do you believe it really happened? Yes, ma'am, I believe it really happened. And, and she says, but, but a man in the belly of a well like that, the digestive juices, everything else like that, would like, you know, would, would like burn him and, and hurt him and then try to digest him just like it does other food. How is how is that possible? And everything else. And, and the little girl said, I believe it. And just, and, and Sally, at, at the, the indulgence of the little girl to keep believing, no matter the story she's paying down, she finally says, honey, it would be impossible. And the little girl said, ma'am, nothing Man, I, I don't know how bad I felt at that moment, but I came unglued right there in my bedroom. I came unglued because that little girl just laid down, just laid down some smack for anybody who would ever, ever want to question God's ability to do a work. There is nothing beyond His hand. There is nothing beyond His limits. Amen? Because He doesn't have them. He doesn't have limits. He doesn't have the capacities that we work within. Amen. And 90% of the time, I believe this is why Zachariah's tongue was tightened up on him. Because God said, no, 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 no. What I'm getting ready to do here is way too big for your negativity. What I'm getting ready to do here is way too big for your little thinking. Amen. So I'm just going to shut you up until you buy in to what I'm doing 
until you begin to understand what I'm doing. And if you don't ever fully get there, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit on you, and the Holy Spirit is going to take you the rest of the way. And that's exactly what unfolds for us here in Scripture. Zachariah scoffed, didn't believe, tried to figure it out during the whole gestation period and everything else. The baby is born, he does what the angel commanded him to do, and immediately his tongue was loose, and he began to prophesy in God's name. He began to talk about how God was going to work and how God was going to use his son, John the Baptist, to do that work. Amen? He goes on to say this. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we, <clears throat> that we should be saved from our enemies and from the, the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Amen? Now, now, now Zachariah is laying down some word. Amen? Taking us all the way back to the covenant. The oath which he sware to our father Abraham that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. Amen? And I'm going to come back to that, and I want you to grab hold of that, that we might serve him without fear. In holiness, still talking about how we are to serve him. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life, and thou, and thou child shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercies of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child, still talking of John the Baptist, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Now, all of this isn't vital to them. And, and, and if you saw on Facebook, I kind of teased these couple of messages that we're going to do going into Christmas. And, and I called them our best for him. Our best for him. Because here we have John the Baptist. Aside from Jesus Christ, maybe one of the most important people in Scripture. Yes, I know that's arguable. We can talk about Paul, we can talk about Peter, we can talk about some of the other prophets and, and Isaiah and, and so on and so on and so forth. So I'm not looking to argue. But the point I want to make is this. John the Baptist and the power manifest in, manifested in him by God and the Holy Spirit's power on him was the first time God had shown himself to man in that way in scripture it is the first time God revealed himself through the power of the Holy Spirit in another being on the face of the earth it started in the womb when he left in Jesus' presence and it further continued through the prophecy of his father and into the ministry of John the Baptist when he came in and he stood in people's face and he preached remission of sins and he baptized them in the river. He presented himself such a sacrifice, he presented himself so worthy that Jesus asked him to be baptized. Right? You heard me, right? Jesus asked him to be baptized. The Son of God, right? I, I, I you know, and, and John refused it. John said, no, man, dude, I'm not, I, I'm not worthy to even buckle your, your, your sandal. Amen. And, and Jesus told him, he said, suffer it to be so. Do this for the glory of God. Amen. And I want you to understand the importance of that. Doing things for the glory of God will cause you to sacrifice. It will cause you to do things against the will of man. It will cause man's hearts to turn against you. But I am encouraging you to walk in the path that God sets down before you walk in the truth of the Holy Spirit and the power of His might, not man's, and allow yourself to be driven by what God is doing and not by what man desires. Amen? Even through the prophecy of Zacharias and everyone that came and told of Jesus and what Jesus was going to do, people still got it wrong. People still said, He's going to set up an earthly kingdom. 
He's going to destroy Rome. Israel's going to be great. And they didn't understand that what he was really coming to, to do was to redeem Israel and through that work redeem all mankind back to God. That's why he came. And, and Zechariah in his prophecy gives us the same kind of thing. He tells us to live, live and, and present this gospel in a way that's without fear. You see, I, I, fear's a big thing. Fear's a big thing today. And I think it's because we have created fear to the point and the place that everything we have and everything around us is so scary that we're so preserved and protecting of what little bit we have. And by doing that and by thinking that way, we're never really fully embracing the full power of God and what he wants to do next. Amen? John the Baptist was, was a renegade. His hair was horrible. His clothes stunk. And he ate bees and honey and locusts and, and, and all of this stuff. I mean, he was not the kind of guy that you would want to put up in front of the church to do announcements, right? Because he just didn't look the part, right? And I think we've, we've given way too much focus to that stuff. And we've given far too little focus to what God's doing and how God is moving and working in people's lives. Amen? We've become fearful. Even in the church, we have become fearful to the point that we are afraid to, to speak of God's glory. We're afraid to do what God wants to do. We've, we've gotten to the point and the place that, oh, if I preach Jesus too hard, right? And thereby, we we lose, lose all of our power. We lose all of our godly dominion and authority. God just takes a look at that and he's just like, nope. I'm just going to pack up and I'm going to seek those who worship me in spirit and those who worship me in I'm not going to dwell here because I'm not the point. I'm not, I'm not the thing. You're living in way too much fear. You're living in too, way too much self. Amen. There's way too much man in what you're doing and I want no so, so he leaves, he walks away. Amen? What, what Zacharias lays down for us and, and the opportunity that we have to understand it is he's showing us the power of God. He's showing us the power of God and he says that his power will be manifest in his son who will lead the way. But by leading the way, he now opens the door for all of us. He now opens the door for me and he opens the door for you and he gives us all the opportunity to bring our best to God. Amen? Not our leftovers. Not our leftovers. It's why he says our tithes should be the first 10%. He doesn't want the leftovers. He wants your fruits. And he wants you to work for your fruits. And he wants you to, to gain by your fruits. And by gaining by your fruits, he doesn't care how big your house is or what kind of car you drive. What he cares about is where you're growing in him. How far and how deep you're getting in him. We pursue a lot of stuff in this world, and goals are good. Any, any teen or anybody that I talk to, I'm always going to encourage goals. But the number one goal is to always be what God created you to be. Whatever that is. If it's the drummer for a worship group, then you drum, baby. If it's the janitor, then man, you sweep that floor to the Amen. If it's the president of a company, then you point your staff and you point the world to Jesus Christ. Because you've been placed in that place for a reason and for a purpose. Amen. And that, that is giving our best to him. It's when we understand that what we have been called to and what we have been called for is bigger than ourselves. As long as we live in an ideology and as long as we live in a way that we believe that what we're doing is self-significant, rather than for the glory of God, then we will always struggle and we will always end up failing. Because just like the Tower of Babel, God is sooner or later going to say, there's been enough of that. And he's going to pull any favor and he's going to pull any ability away from that. Why? He doesn't want the negative tongue and he doesn't want the negative understanding and connotation. 
shut up Zachariah's mouth. He will shut us up and he will shut us down when we get in the way of what Jesus does. We got we need to understand that. That's how he works and that's how he operates. But but with that warning comes great promise. With that warning comes great promise that if we take our best, if we take what he molded into us as our creator and we live it out to the best of our abilities. Everyone, everyone's seen, Sam, Sam kind of teases me that, that I have a man crush on, on Matthew McConaughey. And, um, and, um, oh, come on, man, the, the guy's like cool, right? It's okay to man crush on Matthew McConaughey. He's, he's, he talks cool, he looks cool, you know, he just, dude's just cool, right? And, and everything. Don't look at me like that because I know a lot of you women out there looking at me like that are sitting there going, hmm, Matthew McConaughey. Right? Don't, don't play games with me. I know where you're at with that. Right? But now, Sam teases me and it's true. I, I have a little bit of a man crush on Matthew McConaughey because the dude, the dude's just cool. Right? I don't envy him. I don't want what he has or anything else like that. But I think the dude's cool. Right? So now that we've got that out of the way, there, there's a, a thing out on, on the YouTubes and, and different things like that of him uh, speaking to uh, a commencement um, at a, uh, uh, I don't know if it was a university or high school or where it was. I know he does a lot of work with the high schools down in Texas. I'm kind of assuming it's one of those, but I don't know for sure. And he's talking to them, and, he, and he's telling them, you know, pursue these three things. And he says, always have someone to look up to. And in his talk, he, he ends up leading up to saying, you know, the person that you need to look up to um, is you five years from now or ten years from now, whatever it is. Amen. I want to take that one step further, okay? Nothing against Matthew, right? But I want to take that one step further. The person you need to look up to is the person God created you to be. The person you need to pursue is the person God created you to be. This life is going to give you a hundred different roles going to give you all kinds of man crushes, right? Going to give you all kinds of people who look cool, say cool things, do cool things, and maybe you're good people, right? I'm not judging anybody. Maybe they're good people, but at the same time, it never, ever equals who God made you. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they did. God has a purpose and a calling for your life. God made you for a reason. God sat there and he took the clay and he made you look the way you look. He made you talk the way you talk. He gave the talents that he gave you just for you. And he's saying, give it your best and I'll do this. Give it your best and I'll do the rest believe on me to the point as Paul said having done with all to stand stand therefore sometimes life is just gonna be cool. it's just gonna be you know what sometimes life just sucks I was trying to stay out of the dark house but sometimes it's just it's the way it is what it is amen so I'll use the S word for you sometimes life sucks sometimes bad things happen and we don't know them okay true sometimes stuff just hurts, it angers, it brings fear, it brings uncertainty. But in all of those times and in all of those situations, God is not shocked. God isn't going away. God doesn't sit there and think, oh no, what are we going to do now? Oh no, what happens here? Oh no, a moment like Paul said that having done with all to stand, stand there. I love that result. Amen. Having done everything I can earthly, everything I can in this flesh, having done everything I think I'm supposed to do, I'm going to surrender and just make 
I'm going to let the rain fall and beat down on my head. I'm going to let the winds blow across me. I'm going to let the waves dash over me. I'm just going to be consumed by the storm knowing that God will prevail on the other side. And friends, when we talk about our best, that's it. When we talk about our best, that's it. It's when you are willing to walk with Jesus, live with Jesus, embrace Jesus, and embrace everything that he brings, good, bad, and indifferent. And you're willing to say, I'm going to endure it. I'm going to stand here and take it. And I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to love him in this storm. My favorite those of you who follow me on Facebook know my favorite, my favorite Christmas song is Little Bummer Boy. It doesn't have anything, and I know there's his people out there who will be like, oh man, Christmas music sucks, music, Christmas music's horrible, I hate all Christmas music, blah, 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 blah. I could care less about that. What I care about is this. The words to that song move me. The words to that song move me. This little drummer little shepherd boy. He's got nothing. He's got nothing. And he's standing there. And in all of the moment and in all of the circumstances and in all of the situation, realizes in his heart that he is he is seeing the birth of the King of Kings. And he reasons it all in his mind, taking everything into account, where he's at, the situation, the ox and, and, and Mary and, and the whole bit. He takes every piece of it in. for him. I'm going to play as hard as I can. I'm going to play as loud as I can. And I'm going to give him everything I've got. In this the song goes on. So I play. So I play for him. Amen. I, I love the, the feeling and the emotion of that to be given Jesus everything I've like that little drummer boy and say this is what I had to offer and I gave it all. I gave my best. I did it without fear. I did it without blemish. I didn't worry about what the other guys were going to say. I just gave him my best. And I believe beyond any shadow of a doubt you live your life like that. If you've lived your life like that women's conference one time and she was sharing her notes with me and it said that uh, one of the speakers said that when I, when I come before Christ I don't want to come all prim and proper and looking great and pretty and my makeup just right and all this and that and the other I want to come ragged and tattered and torn crawling and scraping my way to him knowing not him knowing but knowing in herself I wasn't even at the conference, and that spoke to me. That spoke to me. As a matter of fact, that little quote still hangs on my back. Our best pursue who you're supposed to be. Look into who you're supposed to be. Find your talents. Find your worth, and walk in your calling. Walk in your calling. I can I can I can preach a thousand sermon series about what happens if you don't walk in your calling, because there's a whole lot of scriptural examples about what happens when you walk outside your calling. Amen? Find your calling. Walk in it. Give it to you. Give it everything you've got. Amen? And let Jesus be alive and let Jesus be real in that. You want a hero? You want a hero? You want to go figure out who God made you to be. Figure out who God wanted you to be. Figure out what God has put inside you so that it might be revealed to you Live it and pursue it. You want a hero? Make that your hero. You want a goal? Make that your goal. Give it your best. Give it your best. And I promise you, give it your best. I mean, truly your best. Okay? Not your, not just your, this is my best conveniently. Okay? Because that's, that's kind of how we reason things. Kind of how we work it out. Amen? Some of you are shaking my head. Some of you are looking, don't be looking at me right now. Huh? 
right? Not your best conveniently, but your best. Give it your best. And I promise you, by the power of God, he'll do that. By the power of God, he'll do that. This morning, I'm inviting you to that place. I imagine many of us walked in here today a lot like John pretty good idea of where God wanted to go, pretty good idea of what God's trying to do, but still negative and still finger pointing and still whiny and still blah, 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 right? right? We've all been there. Hey, I'm not judging you. I've been there too, right? But I imagine all of us to some degree or another came in like that this morning. And because of that, in some way, our, our tongue has been tied and our tongue has been locked down and the power of God has never really truly fallen on us because we've never really chosen to live beyond what we are capable of. So somewhere through the process of this service, somewhere hopefully through the process of this message, it's challenged you to the point of, man, there's a whole lot more out there for me. There's a whole lot more God than I, I realized there was. Man, maybe, maybe God can move on my life like he did Zacharias. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll loosen my tongue and maybe his power and glory will fall upon me and, and my purpose will become clear and I'll begin to do amazing things. Yes. Yes, that's the goal. That's the goal. For every single person. For every single person. imagine some of you have, or God wouldn't have taken the time for me to kind of spell it out there. Amen. If some of you have gone from that old, old, you know, what was me, oh no, oh, oh, whatever, you know, there's a whole lot of emotions we drag in here. Amen. And maybe now you're kind of sitting there. Maybe I am a little bit like those other eyes. Maybe, maybe the power of God's going to do a little bit. Mm, do you hear me? Huh? Maybe the power of God's going to do a little bit more in your life than what you're going to do so far. Amen? I'm asking you to take off. Take off the chains. Take the brakes off. Step into the reality of what God created your life and what He's wanting to do in your life. Step into the unknown. Knowing that God's got all the way. Give him your best. Give him everything you've got. 